0: Sweet Stash is a home-baked business specializing in cake pops, brownies, cakes, and more. Celebrate your special occasions with all of your favorite people. If we're at a party and they have Sweet Stash, I know where Mario will be. by the cake pop stand. To place your orders, check them out on Facebook or Instagram.
1: Are you all ready to up your drinking game? absinthe Minded AZ is a pretty freaking amazing and super rare company. Absinthe is truly an acquired taste type of drink. People like Picasso, Hemingway, and Van Gogh were known to throw back a few. I mean, The Raven may have never been written if Edgar Allan Poe wasn't drinking this stuff. Who, by the way, was an artilleryman in the United States Army. Go Redlegs! This misunderstood spirit became legal again in the United States in 2007, And now you can try it for yourself here in AZ. Plus, co-owners Doc Ordovich and Justin Slusher are pretty cool dudes. Absence Minded is produced with 100% natural herbs based off of traditional formulations with variations to accommodate the palates of the modern drinker. Pour, sip, and enjoy. So, if you want to find out more about this amazing company, go to their Facebook page or AbsenceMindedAZ.com. And their Instagram page is pretty
0: dope. They are warriors, trained to survive, trained to kill. While some don their armor and defend the flock, others lurk in the shadows, plotting their next attack. They will dishonor their oath, they will rape and murder. Were these monsters born this way, or are they a product of their surroundings? This is Dishonorable Mention. fallen
1: all right all right everybody take a seat grab a drink let's get this show started welcome back to another episode of dishonorable mention where we talk about the military's worst humans murderers we're talking serial killers the worst of the worst i am your host mario outside the wire aguirre and with me is the lovely crystal reedy
0: i am quite lovely
1: (laughs) how'd you like that for an intro
0: i liked it a lot
1: better than than my uh, screaming my radio voice your
0: banshee voice (laughs) it's my radio voice yeah oh i'm sorry i get radio and banshee mixed up (laughs) yeah
1: you must still be thinking of last week's episode oh yeah llorona
0: yeah the mexican banshee. that
1: was a good one people really seem to enjoy that oh yeah
0: there's
1: a there's a la llorona Mm -hmm. legend for every culture so i think it it uh it hit close to home for every every child that was ever Mm -hmm. scared into going inside the house before it got dark oh yeah because there was a lady in white
0: trying to get people
1: trying to to snatch up them children's right Mm -hmm. Uh, today's a good one.
0: Today's very interesting.
1: It's right up your alley because there's a lot of uh, a lot to dissect mm-hmm. with this guy. We're talking about Charles Whitman, the yeah. uh, Bell Tower shooter, or the UT Austin uh, sniper.
0: And. If anyone else gets confused, they probably don't. But at first, it confused me because when I think of Bell Tower shooters, I think of, remember when the National Guard shot down um, protesters? Um, yes. It, I'm going to mess it up. That was Kentucky. Uh, that Ken, was, University Kentucky? of Kentucky, okay. I believe so, um, yes. So that's what I thought you were. we were going on it. But then, no. This guy was the original, but I haven't heard a lot about him. You would think that he. is... You don't
1: know much, but I'm from Texas, so I know.
0: Of <gasps> oh, him a you lot. probably it's, heard about him. Yeah, it's, then.
1: it's 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 and, and Marines know of him too. Oh, okay. Because in in the movie um, <gasps> Full Metal Jacket. Okay. Do you remember?
0: Mm-hmm. Do you remember
1: that movie? Yes. So when the drill sergeant is talking to them about the importance of uh, sharpshooting. The importance oh, yeah. of, of, uh, of uh, rifle training, mm-hmm. being a rifleman, if you will. He starts describing all these great Marines, these great snipers in the military.
0: Oh. And of course,
1: leave it to the Marines. This is during <laughs> This is during Vietnam, this movie.
0: Yeah. And this wouldn't have happened that much this, later.
1: This happened before. Yeah. Before, uh, because th- this was already in the late 60s, uh, early 70s. Yeah. The movie, the when the movie was based.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and so he references Charles Whitman mm-hmm. as a great shooter.
0: Yeah, because he though,
1: was. He was. <laughs> <laughs> As he proved. Even though he killed civilians yeah. and he was technically a murderer. And he's one of those people we call a spree killer. Yeah.
0: And isn't it? It's so interesting because now, like, he would just be another Tuesday. That's the
1: norm, right? It is
0: the norm. Like, everything about him, there's some differences when we look at serial killers. He has some unique things. But for the most part, um he doesn't fit the script of a serial killer and he doesn't really fit the script of what we think of spree killers. um He was kind of a normal guy He was uh
1: except for a few factors that we'll get into and mm-hmm. I know you are excited to get into some of these because you have some theories mm-hmm. on what he may have um what caused what, what all may have all caused. him to to finally or Mm -hmm. eventually flip uh as someone who grew up a kind boy according to neighbors friends and family Mm -hmm. very sweet rarely lost his temper not not an angry child at all Mm -hmm. and somewhat of a normal childhood up up to you know uh middle school and high school when things started getting rough but uh other than his mom was um was being mistreated by, by, their, by, by his father, yeah, h- his, her husband.
0: His dad was a dictator in, of the house. He was physically and emotionally abusive and just like severely physical. He was very physical abusive. I did find it interesting that his, the dad's dad, so this guy's grandfather, um, or no, his dad, his middle name was Adolphus. I'm like and I know that his the, grandfather's name was no Aldi. no his dad sorry I messed it up in my brain but so th- this Whitman's dad's middle name was Adolphus which I know that's not just like you think Adolf. you know like Adolf. I just do and I know that that was a name before it was Hitler but yeah. it's just interesting that you would have this well, very
1: this guy got named I'm not saying he got named after Hitler, but it was was after Hitler existed and was already known, obviously. To be a bad guy. So to name your child something similar to that is weird. Yeah. So, So, But his his name was actually Adolphus.
0: Adolphus. Yeah. Is
1: that... Is that the real? Is that the long version of Adolf, or is it two? Or those two separate names?
0: I think it's two. It, like with Adolf seems,
1: Hitler's Adolfus Hitler, and he's just like uh, what? What's going to be more catchy? And then Adolf went the movie star route and and shortened, shortened his name it. to Adolf. But maybe it's
0: something like a Richard Ricky,
1: yeah, Rich, uh, yeah, something like that it's because weird. it's very
0: close. So it is weird that his father, who was this evil person, was named. So so very similar because it's
1: a rare name.
0: It is a rare name. Even it's, back then, yeah. I don't know.
1: I mean, maybe maybe there was a lot of Adolphs. I don't know.
0: I don't know. But it also maybe tells a little bit. We don't know his father's upbringing, but yeah, like we're not like name. You don't see a lot of people name naming their kids like. Saddam or you know like
1: Saddami, or
0: something like that yeah what's
1: what's that short or what's that uh, what's the short version of that Saddam so, <laughs> yeah
0: S- so Saddam-y. it's just like
1: Saddamul Husseini
0: yeah there's some <laughs> names that you just sit out you yeah, know you and just... and his his grandparents didn't feel the need to set it out so that's probably why they created this guy who beat his wife and his three children.
1: Yeah. So um, while we're talking about his his childhood, let's uh, let's go uh, to the very, very beginning. So mm-hmm. Charles Whitman was born in Lake Worth, Florida on June 24th, 1941. He was the eldest of three sons born to uh, Margaret E. Hodges. That's her maiden name. And then, like you mentioned, Charles Adolphus Whitman Jr. So, um, I mean, technically, does that make this guy the third, I guess, yeah, if his father maybe. was a junior? Yeah. So Whitman's father was raised in an orphanage in Savannah, Georgia, and described himself as a self-made man. Like you mentioned, he was um, not very happy. No. He was an abuser. He was uh, yeah. un- mentally unstable, and um, you and know- that's
0: kind of where we deviate from usually when you have a serial killer. All the arrows point to the mom. Most the, of the mom time, yeah. is controlling the mom there's mom issues. That was not the case. This was all the dad, the overbearing father, and he had a fabulous up until the end. Um relationship with his mother. He loved his mother.
1: Yeah, and she was um kind of his 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 savior, uh Except for, like you said, towards the end, he had he had different ideas and and thoughts on Mm -hmm. that. And but that could also be because of some of the things that he went through Mm -hmm. that eventually changed his mindset, his behavior uh, could be part of the military, Mm -hmm. part of, you know, taking those beatings from his father, not just mentally abusive, but also physically, like physically. Mm -hmm. What did that do? And when you mentioned earlier about how this has so many similarities to today, it's not just about. Uh, similarities to this, these spree killers mm-hmm. or these these active shooters, as we call them, yeah. Uh, but also similarities to football players.
0: Yeah. So certain
1: certain events that have happened mm-hmm. with with suicide and 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 acts of violence and, and shootings from and including wrestlers too.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, wrestlers go through this too. Of course, we're we're talking about you know some sort of brain damage or uh, even CTE. Right. Mm -hmm. So we'll get into that, obviously, when we get to the the end of this story. But for now, let's continue with his childhood. So in Florida, when he was 11, check this out, he joined. Oh, and apparently he had been uh, raised on guns, too. So yeah. that was the other thing. Since he was six years old, his father had taught him how to shoot, mm-hmm. took him out to the range. He was, he was already hunting by the time he joined Boy Scouts at age 11, it only took him a year and like three months <laughs> to become an Eagle Scout at the age of 12, which at that
0: most kids are like eight, 17, 18
1: or, or, or yeah, or, or yeah. even some older, yeah. right? But he did it in less than two years. Yeah, that is. Which at the time impressive. he was the youngest Eagle Scout in Boy Scout history, apparently, mm-hmm. and uh, that's pretty impressive. Uh, the age of six, he was also uh, uh, tested. And apparently had an IQ of 139, which is pretty high. That is pretty high. Uh, the guy knew uh, how to play the piano. He knew, obviously, mm-hmm. you know how to how to shoot. He was uh, he had so many talents. Being yes. an Eagle Scout, it doesn't just mean that he went through certain processes. Like mm-hmm. he passed all these tests that, mm-hmm. like you said, takes people ten years sometimes.
0: Yeah. And at the same time, he had an entire um, like. Uh, Robust paper route they said so he was making money enough to purchase a motorcycle like all of this was going on like he he was working he was excelling at school he was doing well in a social group yeah like people really I mean that he never lost his temper so he doesn't have this um, how a lot of people when we talk about him you're like yeah they're a little off um, he was moderately popular, so it wasn't like he was the hometown hero complex. He was social, so it it is. It's just another interesting thing about this guy that, um, you know, like yeah, he was normal. Not, that's it not was,
1: exactly that doesn't match with what we consider a serial killer or a spree killer or murder. Yeah, exactly. he, you're right. He was accepted. Everything that goes against uh, socially accepted, I should say, that everything that goes against what we now know makes a killer or even just a, uh, 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 a rebellious child. Yeah. Right? Because not once did he, rebe- he just kept being successful. Yeah. So as, a, as an Eagle Scout, when he was a little bit older in, in high school, As a teenager, he ran groups and he would take these kids out shooting and teach them, uh, you know, all these, you know, life skills, survival skills, uh, take them out to the woods and do all these amazing things. And so he was a good role model, Uh, other than the fact that when you look at interviews from people that knew him at the time that were kids, you know, under him, they said the only thing he did show was a little bit of um, what do you call it. Um, He would show off a lot. Right? Oh, okay. So he would make them do all these push ups and sit ups and try to match him and knowing they couldn't because he was he was also very uh, physical and mm-hmm. muscular and he was the all American kid. When you yeah. look at him, he's 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 a white guy with a flat top. Yes. I mean, he looks exactly like the all American, you know, uh, uh, yeah. a, like a quarterback the 1950s 1960s right uh and um so he he just portrayed this like masculinity mm-hmm. where he would even put a dollar and obviously in the 60s right yeah uh late 50s early 60s um you know that was a lot of money yeah especially to a kid yeah right it's like it's like offering a 20 bill now and mm-hmm. going here you go you got here's 20 bucks if you do this so he would challenge them uh, put a dollar on the ground and he would say, if you can do what I'm about to do, then you can have this dollar. Oh, okay. And he would go and he would uh, do a handstand, put his legs up against uh, the wall uh-huh. and then start doing kind of like uh, push ups going yeah. up and down. Right. And nobody, of course, could do that. Yeah. They were all kids. And so the people remember him doing that kind so of stuff. The, so there was so a the little bit of
0: narcissistic that so that the tension yeah, grabbing.
1: But you could see that because he's so smart. Yeah. That he probably knew he was better than people, or he felt mm-hmm. he was better. He was the youngest Eagle Scout, so that's gotta yes. get. It's kind of like becoming famous, right? Yes, start getting attention, and probably everybody was looking at him like this guy's amazing. They're probably telling him how smart you are, yes. your physical uh, attributes, you know, and and so obviously. That got to his head, which that mm-hmm. doesn't make him abnormal. No, I but mean, that's those typical. are things to, yeah, those are things to note. Yes, right, that because you
0: see where that narcissism could lead. come, and and you see at the end it ties back. Yeah, and we'll talk about that because when he breaks bad, he breaks bad. Really so bad.
1: finally, by the age of, I believe seven, uh, actually eighteen, so a few months before he graduated high school, um, his. Uh, father gave him uh, the beating of his life, essentially, Uh, beat him so bad and then threw him into the pool uh, between and um, oh, sorry, let me go back. The reason for that is because he, like most teenagers, went out one night and got drunk Mm -hmm. and came home, uh, you know, a little tipsy. Uh, and his dad being a, a Catholic, you know, being very, uh, very stern and and being very hard on his boys, obviously perfection. Perfection, yeah. And so he did not like this, and his response was to beat him mm-hmm. and throw him in the pool. So between him being beaten so badly that he couldn't respond, and somewhat drunk,
0: yeah, that he and
1: almost drowned yeah. in the pool. So it was a very hard experience for him. That when he graduated. High school, he first thing he did is went and joined the Marines without his father knowing. So he turned 18, graduated high school, joined the Marines. His father didn't even find out that he had joined the Marines until he was gone and on his way to Camp Lejeune for basic training.
0: Hmm.
1: So, and his father being so possessive actually tried to reach out to the Marines and get him back and they're like um he's fucking 18.
0: Yeah, he's an he, adult.
1: He can and make I'm, up his own mind and we own him now so.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I'm Go sure that sand. that story has been played out many times like you're trying like people from bad families, their sometimes their only option is like I got to get out of here and the military will take me in some way. I mean, that's the military has probably saved many many lives and many, you know, young people when they just needed to get out and that definitely was his situation he was like he needed to get away from his father
1: yeah so after joining the military uh, the marine specifically obviously okay. just with everything we've talked about um he was very successful mm-hmm. you know he was smart we were talking about that he was physically fit uh, he already knew how to shoot since the age of three, mm, yeah. so none of those things were an issue. He it was almost like he was bred to be a, a marine. marine, yeah, and he ex, uh, excelled. Uh, as a sharpshooter, where he passed uh, apparently the the test, I don't know what it consists of, but he got two hundred and fifteen out of two hundred and fifty possible points. So he was an exceptional sharpshooter. Uh, he was known, um, like I said, to you know to to mm-hmm. be you know smart, kind of lead the way and being exemplary to the rest of the the Marines. Right. Mm-hmm. In fact, he was so smart and and such a, a good example that the Marines decided to send him to school. So they sent him to UT Austin to get an engineering degree, obviously oh, wow. graduating and then using him as an as an officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was their goal. So that's I mean, like once again, in 18 months, he accomplished this. That's a lot. Right. So obviously, uh, you know, some type of genius
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: where the Marines even saw that. Yeah. Noted and said, we got to take advantage of this guy. And so they sent him to school. So we got a full ride wow. to UT Austin yeah. while everybody else is going off to war. He was um, going to school. Essentially, that's where he met his future wife. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was going for engineering. Uh, She was doing some, uh, I'm not exactly sure, uh, liberal arts degree or something uh but anyways where she became a a teacher you know part time to 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 pay off some of the bills and he was getting you know paid to to go to school by the military so That's he sweet. had a he had a sweet little little gig there right uh but essentially even though he was you know a very uh a very smart guy his grades started to slip up a little bit um the war and training started to pick up a little bit more things started to happen and so he Was pulled out of Mm -hmm. UT Austin. So the scholarship was yanked and he was brought back to the Marines to go do training and whatever else, you know, they needed him for.
0: And you can't really even fault him for that because we've seen uh, the first year of when you send your kids to college, they come back with horrible grades. A few of them survive, but for the most part, it's like a joke. Like, it's like their first year is just you're just trying to get them get through it get through it because the first year is bad um so he's so again he's not so different from anyone else he did bring his grades up a little bit but it was also probably the first time he had freedom Right. Um, where it was like there was no one, you
1: know. Yeah, because even the Marines, he was free from them. There was really nobody around yeah. to tell him what to do or where to go. Even though he was still a Marine, he was free to to do these things uh, in in college, like kind of on his own, right? Live Which his own life. we know we've met a lot of folks um, um, and friends uh, from the Vietnam era and and later too mm-hmm. that they were sent to school. Nowadays, it I don't I don't know if it happens exactly the same way. Um, but because um, a lot of, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, a lot of forts and uh, bases yeah. have schools or online schools now. Yeah, and so probably. you're not necessarily sent to school anymore. Mm-hmm. Um I uh, wonder
0: if he would have done the better. The
1: same way as they used to.
0: Yeah. Like I wonder if they would have done better if they went to like. um
1: Like if that made him join like an ROTC program where yeah. he was still held accountable or something. But I'm not. I'm not sure i mean if you guys know more about this stuff nowadays how it works let us know but as far as i know it's a little bit different back then they would just send you to be a civilian and still pay you your military rank like whatever you know as an e5 e4 they were still getting paid but you were not having to 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 report to your unit you literally were a student you know and we know several people that were kind of like that and so some of the standards maybe go away and like you said you you have freedom for the first time and you know because you went from home where you had no freedom uh lots of discipline and beatings to the marines uh pretty much the same thing yeah (laughs) beatings i mean you know uh, uh, you know for for the right reasons but you know no real freedom and training every day and now all of a sudden he's out and he meets his girl and he's you know gonna get married or she's his future wife and i think actually got married during Mm -hmm. this time so anyways going back uh his grades were not as, as, as good as they expected. And like I said, with things ramping up in the military, he got pulled back. And so he, this second time around with the Marines, did not do so well. Um, he was gambler. Aside from, you know, all these other talents he had, he, got, he, was, uh, he was an addict to, to, to gambling. And so that essentially got him in trouble with the military. Uh, but then he eventually got in real trouble when he uh, got caught with a personal weapon on base, which you're, you're not allowed on, 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 on bases unless you, you have certain permits, right, which obviously he didn't. So he got in trouble for that, but he also got in trouble for threatening a fellow Marine because he owed him 15 bucks. You know, uh, and so it's kind of it's kind of crazy that that's the reason he got court-martialed. Uh, at the end of the day, he did get kicked out of the Marines, but he did get a general discharge. So not not as negative because, you know, um, a dishonorable discharge would would have been, well, you know, detrimental. So uh, uh, um, a general discharge doesn't really mean anything. It just means you're you're done with your your mission. Right. And so he got kicked out of the Marines. So he went back to school. So obviously he was still interested and becoming an engineer, went back to UT Austin, back with, with his wife. And uh, things started to get a little dicey. Uh, the, the reports of him starting to be a little bit more possessive, angry. Uh, even uh, some Marines and some other students, fellow friends of his, uh, stated that he would make comments like, I could take out a whole unit from that bell tower, pointing mm-hmm. at the bell tower in UT Austin, yeah, University of Texas. Uh, And as veterans, we know, we have friends, we talk about these things like, look, you know, if you had to do this, what would be the best way to go about it? Yeah. Uh, And we always look at the terrain and we look at, you know, certain things and we joke about it uh, or we just kind of make those comments because – As a historian and as a tactician, you know, in the military, we kind of love talking about these things. We get trained on them. And so you're always trying to figure out what's the best way to win a certain battle, right? We don't ever really mean that we're going to be killing civilians, obviously. But you look at those high points, you know, and you're like, I wonder what you could do from there. Like, I bet you could do this. So much damage from this point of view, from this, this. And so I think what happened is most people just kind of looked at him like, eh, he's a veteran, he's just talking out of his mind, or he's just going back to his kind of his his military days, right, discussing some sort of tactic, he'll never act upon that, which is what everybody thought, and that's kind of what we think when we talk about these kind of tactics, or when there's ever mass shootings. We as as veterans, we always kind of try to dissect the situations of like, oh, he could have done this better, he could have done that worse, right? Mm -hmm. As dark as that might sound, that's just kind of in our in our nature to dissect. It's like a guy uh, a a guy doing the the what is it called Monday uh, Monday Monday quarterbacking, yeah, Yeah. quarterbacking, yeah. yeah. And so it's the same thing, right? We 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 if you used to play football. You know a little bit of of uh, the tactics, and you always talk about it, and you try to say, "Well, it should have done this, should have done that." Well, Military is no different. <laughs> we kind of <laughs> we like to you know uh, discuss tactics and things like that. But like I said, 99.9% of the time, we're not acting on those thoughts or those ideas. They're just ideas they're just discussions of tactics what could have been done better or worse things like that right the military we have what we call aars which are after action reviews and that's essentially what we do when these things these tragic things happen we cover all the you know you should have done this should have done that anyways my point is that that's how they took it they took it as he's just talking out of his ass uh little did they know that he would actually follow through with that so Mm -hmm. all right you got something else no it's i see you very um captive over there if not i can i can move on to to the day of
0: no it's just really interesting um that also in that time he started um, some drug use but before you get into the day of i think it's in all fairness to report that he sought help like when it started coming down um, like some of the things and I feel like I'm defending this guy because out of all because you know I hate dishonorable mention. Yeah. Like these people made Well you my hate the blood. you hate the topic yes, because it's so hate.
1: tragic. Yeah. And and
0: it and it it does affect me. Like I'm like I get so sad for the victims. And we're not talking a lot about the victims and the crimes because sometimes that's you know, um, that's not entertainment. You know, like yeah, to get all Yeah, it's not all, we're not talking Yeah, we're we don't not get getting in the gory off. details because it kind of it right. gets too much. We just are like trying to get in the mind of someone and I've never had someone that I kind of I mean at the Understood end of the th- a little. I, that just from a psychological perspective all the
1: red flags were there.
0: Um there were red flags but there was also things that he was doing like for example he um did hit his wife twice and he did tell his friends that that he was he was so sorry for that and that he really really um um wanted to make sure that never happened again because he didn't want to be like his father so he knew that this physical violence Something wrong. was wrong and then his mother finally was able to leave his um his father right. Asked for a divorce way back when that was tough to do. Yeah. He loaded her up, moved him out. By him, um, she stayed with them until they, she got an apartment. She got a job. She was living, you know, an independent life. And those are all signs of like this empathy, em, em, empathy he has for others. Like he did not want to hurt others. Um, he yeah, he showed he knew he, it was wrong. Yeah, he
1: displayed those signs that he understood. Um, and so you're absolutely right. He moved his mother in May of 66, mm-hmm. uh, August 1st of 66 mm-hmm. is when all this went down. So um, not too long after he moved his mother. And the reason why I'm, I'm bringing that up is because um, there was other than the shootings, the tower shootings, there mm-hmm. was other two other tragic deaths um, that happened before the shooting people don't necessarily talk about these two murders. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just talk about him as the shooter, but they don't discuss these other two. and People don't know about it. Uh, before I get into that, though, uh, because you did bring up a good point that this is a very different one where he was seeking help. He mm-hmm. went to different universities or different schools and mm-hmm. talked to different psychologists, psychiatrists to try to to get some help. He talked to friends about it. He was open about some of his abuse. Uh, and so he was sort of reaching for help which is what we tell all veterans to do right now what i want to do is i want to separate our thoughts and ideas on some of these murderers serial killers that we've discussed in the past Mm -hmm. and someone with post-traumatic stress because at Uh the end of the day i do believe this guy was dealing with some sort of post-traumatic stress uh uh, traumatic brain injury there was a lot of things Uh going on there that were going against him so in that fashion, I feel for the guy, and I think that's kind of where you're going. At the end of the day, um, it's not acceptable, no, right, to do no. what you did. Uh, but in, in in a lot of cases, like the other one, we when we talked about um, the the guy Conriquez uh, Bradley, oh, yeah. uh, is it Bradley? Um, I forget his name. Uh, but anyways, you know, people lost their minds because they said, "Well, this guy, he lost it in the heat of the moment." You know his. Uh, his, his, his chain of command had, had fucked him over and the, the enemies were, were rampant in his area and they were killing his buddies and so he was angry and he was just getting those bad guys back. And a lot of guys surprised me with like, they were defending this yeah. guy uh, after he murdered a whole family of mm-hmm. innocent Afghanis, uh, uh, it, it, right? It was in mm-hmm. Afghanistan and also children. Yeah. Children, old people, uh, women, men. I mean, he murdered, I think, 13 or 14 people from villages that were completely innocent. And let's say one of the males maybe yeah. was somehow involved with <laughs> with a terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. You don't know this, first of all. Yeah. You don't know this. And you just can't take the law into your own hand and just go start shooting people on your own in the middle of the night. Uh, (laughs) you especially don't shoot women and children Um, that's what the bad guys do so at the end of the day even though people were upset at us for calling him out on it um, that's a uh, he's a bad guy yeah he's a bad guy he did horrible atrocious things Mm -hmm. it sucks that he was in a situation where his mind may have not been in the right place Mm -hmm. maybe post-traumatic stress maybe traumatic brain injury who knows played an effect on it. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, you can't do those things. Yeah. And expect to be looked on as a hero. And a Correct. lot of these guys were like, eh, don't don't rag on him. Don't talk bad about you him because know. you don't understand them. <laughs> you don't know what we've been through. It doesn't matter. Yes. At the end of the day, we know what happened and it was not a good thing. And anybody who's willing to kill children, mm-hmm. Deserves a dishonorable mention, right? Yes. So my point to this is this is sort of that same mm-hmm. situation where you can feel for the guy. He obviously was reaching out for help. He was failed by the systems. Uh, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. we can't react in these ways, right? And if, if you do, there is something wrong with you. And unfortunately, after it's all said and done, there's no more help once you've committed murder. I mean, yeah. you can get help in prison, but you're going to go to prison. Like- yeah,
0: there's no excuse that's going to get you off. And even with this guy, with all of, like, like the system did fail him. Um, I'm sure with his childhood trauma, there were, um, they probably, today they would find CTE. Um, there was a lot of, a lot going on physically with him. But... And he even went, when we say he went to all these doctors, the last psychiatrist that he went to was a female and she literally verbatim almost said, he did what he said he was going to do. He yeah. said, I, um, I want to go up into the tower. I want to kill people. I know that these are wrong thoughts. I it keep increasing, my anger, my agitation is increasing. And, um, and she sent him home. Right.
1: And (laughs) And he said all these things to them. So,
0: But at that point, he knew something was wrong. So he he should have done more. I mean, he was very awake and aware and will go through the day of his incident. And you're like, he was oddly aware of what he was doing. Of what he was doing, yeah. Yeah. So he gets no, no, because I was like so against everyone we've ever done in dishonorable mention this guy it just seems so off like it, and it, it explains it that there was something like broken.
1: if you were going to be trained on these type of situations um, if you're going to school these are the cases you study because yeah. they're, they're so they're they're so perfect everything's yeah. perfect about this case right about it for his childhood uh, his military career his his marriage is you know his outburst the failed systems like there's all these red flags are there it's almost the perfect specimen and even to his uh, uh, his letters the letters oh he gosh. wrote towards the end and he started keeping a journal, on some of these thoughts, like it is the perfect person to study for these type of situations, especially when we're talking about active shooters nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like this guy was doing it before it was popular. Yeah. You know? Like he
0: was like the
1: OG the, the OG of, of spree killing yes, uh, or active shooters as they call them now. But, um, so real quick, um, Just to kind of finish what I was trying to say earlier, my point is that we understand the difference between post-traumatic stress. We understand the difference between traumatic brain injury and someone who is truly, truly in in trouble and desperate need of help. And we're never, never trying to say that these are the reasons why people murder. Mm Post-traumatic stress, it's very rare that someone will go and act in, in, in such a violent Mm -hmm. manner. Right. In fact, you know, we used to teach uh, classes on hiring veterans. And one of the biggest concerns of, of a lot of, uh, especially early on in the war um, the concern was that, well, if they have post-traumatic stress, are they going to shoot up the workplace? Are they going to do this? And you're like, no, like that is not how this works. You can have post-traumatic stress from a car accident. There's a lot of civilians at your workplace they're dealing with these issues, and they deal with them the best they can, whether it's medication or um, talking to somebody, getting you know, going to a psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever. Uh, same thing with the military. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing. You can have a normal life and deal with post-traumatic stress, have mm-hmm. physical injuries, invisible injuries, or we call them invisible wounds of war, um, and you can be a functional human. So we are not talking about these folks, right? We understand. Mm-hmm that post-traumatic stress is real uh, and there is help for it. And most of the time, people with these symptoms don't act out in this fashion. So I just want to make that clear. The folks that we talk about on Dishonorable Mentions are people who have gone beyond help, right? Mm -hmm. They're obviously, they've done these atrocious things and whether post-traumatic stress dramatic brain injury, whether any of these things had anything to do with it, we are separating mm-hmm. those two, right? When somebody needs help, uh, happy to help them, happy to point them in the right direction. We are happy to talk about those people. Some of the the our, our best uh, examples of, uh, of being a, a veteran are folks that are doing great things for the community out there. And those folks, a lot of them are dealing with post-traumatic stress. Some of the folks that care the most for veterans are folks that went through some really hard times, people that dealt with, um, you know, uh, drug abuse, um, you know, post-traumatic stress, all these different issues. These are folks that are out there now doing great things for our veterans. So you can be dealing with these demons and still do great things. Right. And that's why we have other shows where we bring guests on to talk about the great things they've done. Right. But um, but as far as this goes, I just want to make sure people understand that those are two very different things. Mm-hmm. Not everybody that, that has these symptoms or is dealing with, with post-traumatic stress um, acts out in this way. For the most part, most of them go on, live a normal life, and mm-hmm. get the help they need and, and, and do great things. These are very rare cases, uh, and they're, they're interesting to break down to see where it came from. Because most of them, uh, they, th- I mean, I don't know if we've ran into any that are... That are you know the the pretty much the same. They're all very unique cases.
0: Yeah, and I think that for the most part, we've seen their childhood plays more into a factor than their um, military service. Right, right. When I it mean, comes to yeah, absolutely. And I think
1: I've said this before on the show, but um, you know the percentage of serial killers or psychopaths in the military is the same as the civilian sector. One percent of civilians or one percent of military members. Um, end up having some kind of psychosis or Mm -hmm. some you know or or psychopaths right Mm -hmm. the military it's a little bit easier to to hide it because you're doing things that especially during war that um that a a civilian does not have the opportunities to legally do right Uh, And so that's 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 the difference. I'm not saying all military members are are, are Mm murderers or killers But if you are one of these psychopaths and you join the military and you're in combat and you happen to get in a gunfight legally like obviously defending yourself like you are in the middle of the the shitstorm, which the psychopaths Are laughing all the way right if you don't believe me um, read up on on combat and on killing Two Mm -hmm. books uh, written by Dr. Grossman, who's a psychologist uh, and was also uh, a a member of the special forces unit, trained special forces, uh, trained SWAT teams all over the U.S. on the psychology of killers and murderers and things like that. And he defines it like the guys in the military that are doing this kind of stuff. Most people um, don't want to kill each other. You know, even a good soldier. Will do the right thing because he has to defend himself and his and his and his uh, you know and his, uh, his his uh, his fellows, his battle buddies, if you will. Uh, but very few of those are doing it with a smile, and it's these that one percent that's out there. So it's just kind of weird that it, both in the civilian sector and in the military sector, there is one percent of that population ends up being psychotic <laughs> or murderers. So, anyways, just a little little tidbit of information. <laughs>
0: So now we can get on. Now to we can get on
1: day. into the day of. So August oh. 1st, August 1st. Um, so we mentioned he had just moved his mom to Austin from Florida. Mm-hmm. She divorced his, his his father and he moved her up to Austin. So May is when she ends up in Austin. August 1st, he ends up, the day was a normal day, mm-hmm. uh, ends up going to lunch with his, his wife, picks her up from work, from her summer job. Uh, then meet they meet up with some friends and takes her home. Then he goes and visits his mother. At this point, he had decided on what he was going to do. He mm-hmm. was going to enact his thoughts. And that was get a bunch of guns, which he had bought. He had bought extra guns. He already had some, bought a knife, and he bought a um, binoculars a few days prior to this. So he was already prepping mm-hmm. for this uh, because, <laughs> and this is going to be weird, he did not want his mother or his wife to... Find out about what he was about to do. Mm -hmm. He decided to do the logical thing, which was to murder his mother. Mm -hmm. He choked her out. Then he stabbed her. Then he put her in bed, covered her up as if she was asleep. Mm -hmm. Then he went home, and his wife was already in bed. This was, I think, it was like three a.m. in the morning. So this is why I was going to say he did it the day prior, but he actually did it in 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 the morning. So it was it was August Mm first that everything went down. Um, Because it was 3 a.m. in the morning when he went home and stabbed his wife in her sleep. Mm -hmm. Just stabbed her three times in the chest, you know, just killing her instantly. So these are the two murders that people don't talk about. Altogether, there were 16 murders, um, 14 murders or 14 people that he actually shot Mm -hmm. and killed pretty much instantly. Uh, One, uh, making it 15, was a fetus. And then the 16th person died. 30 years later from injuries sustained from his shooting. So that's what totals 18. But then altogether there was 18 people because he murdered those other two with, Mm -hmm. with his knife. So altogether he murdered eight. He's responsible for 18 deaths Mm -hmm. and 31 injuries on on top of those other ones. So he caused a lot of destruction, right? And
0: this is very, very typical. This is when he becomes your average um, psychopath. Yeah, he was um, lost it. At that point, there was nothing it. more. That yeah. he was actually writing his letter, very detailed like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm very sorry for it. I'm going to kill my mother. Um, and he explains that he does not want them to know what he did. He knows he's about to do bad. But we see this all the time on the news. I mean, it yeah. feels like every week someone does a murder-suicide. And the murder-suicides are absolutely like when they kill the wife and the kids it's that they know that they're about to be all over the news they're going to bring shame There, this is where our our, we really see his narcissistic personality come out because the same guy that wanted to all those kids to know that he could beat them in push-ups now knows that he's going to do something horrible and he does not want his mom and his wife that he loves so much and he writes this in the letters that they were everything to him he's so embarrassed and he's so like he's he's preemptively embarrassed he doesn't want them to know that he's this evil person so he kills them and that's what you see all the time
1: but then when you read more on that um i know that you're saying he was narcissistic in the way that he didn't want them to look at him in a bad light. Yeah. But when you read more about this, and maybe you can speak more on this too, but they say that a lot of serial killers or a lot of murderers, before they're about to commit these murders and kill their families, mm-hmm. their excuses that they didn't want them to be part of this or, or remember him in this way. Yes. Uh, and eventually it's it's not necessarily um, that they don't want to be looked on are looked at in a bad light, it's almost just an excuse to, I don't know what that, that means, but essentially what they're trying to say, it's not, it's not really reflective of their, their shame, mm-hmm. more of an excuse to just murder. So I don't know what, if you want to add to that or what, but that's just kind of what I'm reading. So essentially they're, they're trying to say that it's just an excuse. It's, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's an excuse. It's not, it's not a lot of them do this. Right. And so what 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 is the reality? If if not an excuse, what is it then that? Why do they murder their families before that? Like, are they that psychotic or like that is the way that they get through it? Like the way they get through the murder of their family members is by saying it's what's best for them.
0: Yeah. When we clearly
1: know it's not. It's
0: not. Well, that's to me, I think that shows the narcissism because they're like, oh, this is that they can't stand the idea of anyone thinking bad about them even though
1: they're not going to be around
0: they're not they're not going to be around but they don't they want it's a control thing i Uh i want to control like right now today my i am my mom's savior because i got her out of a domestic violence situation i my wife and her family love me that my wife thinks you know they must have had like had a great relationship he had nothing bad to say about her and i think it's just like it's like the people who there's most people can make a mistake and they're just like oh look i made a mistake yeah insecure narcissistic people they make a mistake and they get mad like they get mad they have to deflect they have to show because they can't handle someone seeing them weaker or less than
1: so his deflection is by saying that he's 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 protecting them
0: yeah from he's all protecting the new,
1: them from from the from heartbreak the, the heartbreak the bad news the thoughts that he's this bad guy and that is his excuse yeah. for murdering them so obviously um yeah there there there's there's a lot going on there. Yeah, right. but
0: really it's like that he doesn't it's it's about want himself. them to see him. Right. Yeah. He wants them. It's like, okay, now you die and you never have to I mean it's why Half of us obey the laws because we like laws. The other half of us just don't want to be on the news. Don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want the neighbor. What, yeah. Whatever.
1: <laughs> what What always kept me out of trouble. Well, what, what most of the time kept me out of trouble <laughs> was the, the someone once told me is like, he's like, don't ever do anything that'll get you on the news where your grandma would read it <laughs> and be ashamed of it. So unless you're okay with your grandma reading about you on the news, don't do it whatever it is you're thinking of doing right and that kind of got me you know you know Mm -hmm. but i'm catholic and so there's always that guilt i was gonna
0: say i was like oh my gosh there's (laughs) always guilt there i was like you can't like
1: but let me read one of those letters or a partial um so he he writes this is a few days before i do not quite understand what is the what is it that compels me to type this letter perhaps it is to leave some vague reason for the actions I have recently performed. I do not really understand myself these days. I am supposed to be an average personable and intelligent young man. However, lately I cannot recall when it started. I have been a victim of many unusual and irrational thoughts. These thoughts constantly reoccur and it requires a tremendous mental effort to concentrate on useful and progressive tasks. And then uh, he goes on, and this, is, um, this actually was written after he, k- he killed his mother and his wife. To whom it may concern, I have just taken my mother's life. I am very upset over having done it. However, I feel that if there is a heaven, she is definitely there now. I am truly sorry. Let there be no doubt in your mind that I love this woman with all my heart. That's insane.
0: That is they so that. insane.
1: Um, so, and then at the end, just to kind of wrap it up with, with the letters, he writes again, I imagine it appears that I brutally killed both of my loved ones. I was only trying to do a quick thorough job. If my life insurance policy is valid, please pay off my debts, donate the rest anonymously to a mental health foundation. Maybe research can prevent further tragedies of this type. Give our dog to my in-laws. Tell them Kathy loved uh, choice. I guess that's the name. of It's a weird spelling. S-C-H-O-I-C-I-E. Sochi, I guess. Uh, Very much. If you can find it yourself to grant my last wish, uh, cremate me after the autopsy. So he was essentially begging him to study Mm -hmm. him. Uh, there's, you know, there's, there's more, uh, that he writes, uh, but it just kind of keeps going and going. But essentially he asked them to study him.
0: Yeah. And
1: it's very reminiscent of junior sale. Junior sale was the, you know, um uh, yes. played for the the San Diego chargers and he shot himself in the chest because he wanted to save or preserve his brain so that he could be studied, mm-hmm. uh, for future generations. Right. And he was, uh, one of the first people, that they discovered had CTE mm-hmm. when when it, when they first started to to notice these type of crimes were all linked to CTE, and then after that, obviously, you know, we talk about um, Hernandez from oh, uh, yes. the um, the uh, Patriots, mm-hmm. right? Who 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 killed a, a few different people and got away with it and eventually got caught and then hung himself in prison. They found mm-hmm. out he had such bad CTE that it his brain looked like that of a. 80 year old uh a uh, dementia patient mm-hmm. that's insane the guy that was is. in his 30s yeah and that's how bad his brain looked mm-hmm. um so you can tell or obvious it's obvious that there's traumatic brain injury there Yeah, and this guy was begging for them to see what's wrong with him so even in the letters he's like yeah, i'm supposed to crazy. be this smart guy i'm supposed to be personable but yet I can't stop these intrusive thoughts like he writes it. He's so smart that he knows there's something wrong with him and he can't stop himself, which just makes this all even weirder. Right. Yeah. Um. But like you mentioned, you know, there was a lot of, you know, psychosis, neurosis. I mean, there's everything. All the oses. Yeah. Are there. <laughs> and just
0: so much childhood trauma that like he just kept moving forward and probably never. You know, went back to understand it and work through and process that trauma. And then when they did do the autopsy, they did find a tumor. Um, At first, they said the tumor did not, would not have created the actions. But then they went back. And this is, again, in what, 1966? 1966. So they do not know. I mean, we just discovered CTE. Yeah. So like who in knows the last what, yeah. 10 years. Yeah. So, um, so they didn't, they probably didn't, what didn't know what missed, they were looking for. Yeah. And they for. missed some
1: other things there. But
0: the fact that he did have this tumor would have probably done these, you know, racing thoughts yeah. that, and, and that he knew so, it probably added to the fact that he knew they were so wrong.
1: Right. And, tumors have been linked to people, uh, to changing personalities, right? Mm-hmm. And having people act in, in certain ways. So we know that now. Yeah. Um, so there could have been something there. Um, I don't know if that tumor could have been uh, related to his, his beatings. I don't know how that works. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you might know, but, uh, or it was just a natural, t- or it was a combination of both. Mm-hmm. He may have had this, this tumor. Uh, And on top of it, he had traumatic brain injury from the beatings he took from his Mm -hmm. father and the mental damage, too. Right. Yeah. Because you got to think like the guy hated his father Mm -hmm. and he didn't kill him. He yeah. killed his loved ones. So he killed his wife, he killed his mother, then his wife. He's writing these letters in between all of them. Yeah. He starts off writing right before, he writes one after, uh, in his journal, right after he killed his mother, then he ki- then he writes right after he killed his wife and then he starts writing about what he's about to go do. So around six in the morning, he heads over to you know UT Austin uh, and starts his way to the bell tower. Along the way, he gets through security because he's a student uh mm-hmm. plus he was also in overalls and he was uh, uh pretending once he got through other areas to get to the bell tower that he was a repairman mm-hmm. of some sort right and he had his bags uh, supposedly and i'm throwing up quotations of tools yeah. which were really his knives his guns his rifle all this other stuff and when he goes in there uh, a lady uh, teacher recognizes him and says wait you're not you're a student you're not a you're not a mechanic or whatever and he shoots her Kills her, making oh. her the first victim. Uh, not, not from the tower itself, but in the tower. Um, then there's two other people that are involved. They're in this tower as well. That mm-hmm. he ends up killing, just to get to the top. So before he even gets to the top, he's already killed his mother and wife, and then at and in their beds, and then now he's killed three people in the tower as he's mm-hmm. making his way up. Right, and then when he gets up there, the first person he shoots um is a pregnant woman now they uh they talk about how amazing he was at Mm -hmm. shooting he could have and she was close enough to where they're like he could have shot her in the head he could have shot her between the eyes the way he shot how good he was at shooting but he chose to shoot her in the stomach
0: and this is where he loses me and um, i know i was gonna say you are the you're the kid person so yeah if he hadn't died and he was in like Death row right now. I'd be like, "Can it be kill very him now?" Slow, yeah. Can it be and like as slow? Like, can the machine break and then cause nerve damage where he feels every nerve? Insane, right? I mean, like, I I go I go dark yeah. because I was like, "You were he so aware of of everything," and then to just be that evil. He was gone at that point. He was there's gone. There's right? no difference between you and Charles Manson to me. So yeah. all of this to say, ah, I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> yeah.
1: But his, um, so he, he shoots her in the stomach, Ugh. kills the fetus. She survives, oh. which is, you know, I mean, a, as tragic as it is, I mean, this has got to be even worse. worse because now you're like a survivor and you're, you and got shot in the stomach and you lost your fetus. And your boyfriend, uh, who, fiance, who was next to you, as he's trying to take care of you gets shot in the head and kills him instantly. Yeah, this guy so evil. that those are his first shootings from the bell tower. Then he just starts shooting. He did kill one police officer, uh, and a bunch of other students and, and teachers. Uh but like I said, he also wounded thirty one. So that's a lot. That's a lot of people from this place. He um he placed all his weapons on every corner of the bell tower. Mm-hmm. So he was shooting from different angles, different sides, the north side, the south side, the west, the east and so there were police officers that thought there were multiple shooters. Oh. They didn't even know because they, one, they didn't have the technology we have today. Uh, and he was so concealed and he oh. had so much cover and the, the bell tower itself. This, these are old, you mm. know, made out of stone. Like there's no penetrating no. that. And the cops, all they had were their revolvers. Oh. They didn't have rifles back then. So a lot of cops ended up going home to pick up their personal oh. rifles. <laughs> just to be able to shoot back. I mean that's there, how crazy I, I,
0: I'm now proud of that. Civilians so in
1: them. well that's Texas for you maybe. Yes. That's Texas for you. <laughs> and um, there were civilians that had Went home and brought their shotguns and rifles. Yes. In fact, um, when they finally decided that they that something had to be done, someone had to go up there. Mm-hmm. There was no even real tactics because they didn't have radios to talk to each other. Oh. So they literally had to run around and because they had to hide from this guy because he was up there. It was so difficult to reach each other and say, Jesus. "Let's do this and do that." So they couldn't even communicate. Oh my god! He had them all pinned down all around. I mean, this 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 went on for a few hours. And uh, I think ninety minutes is is the the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. But he just kept shooting. He had so he had like bought oh I think seven hundred rounds of ammunition, so he was set for the long haul. Um, doesn't
0: this don't doesn't it take you back to Vegas? Yeah, the Vegas it, it sounds like and, the Vegas and shooting. And if yeah. that guy left not one word of why this happened, but I wonder if they look through, was this like his idol or something? Who I knows, mean, man? He didn't. But so that one, the similar. Vegas one, is very
1: weird because You're we know similar. nothing. Yes. You know very like this, little of that guy this
0: guy we know everything we know yeah. what his thoughts were and he wrote it that guy down. was nothing
1: nothing he came out of nowhere it's like yeah. a ghost um, but yes very reminiscent yeah. of the Vegas shooter um, so eventually this group uh, decided to to climb up the tower uh, and I believe it was two police officers and one civilian who said I'll, i'm coming with you and at that point they're like yeah we need all the help we can get <laughs> so a civilian armed with a shotgun one of the cops with a rifle and the the, the main guy um i forget his name but it was some hispanic dude yeah uh, he um he had a, he had just a revolver yeah. and he went in there and as they're going in there they're seeing they, they find the three different bodies that he had oh. killed throughout the way and so they make their way up there and so they get up to the tower and they get the civilian guy. I'm still shocked. Like they're still like, we need all the help we can get. So it
0: was like nowadays like, everybody. Yeah, get the, hell,
1: <laughs> get the hell out. We got this. But no, they're like, no, we need you. So the one guy goes uh, in one direction once they get up to the, the top. And um, as they're climbing out and they notice he is on, uh, I'm not sure which side, but they just call it the north side of the tower. So the, the civilian goes east and the two cops go west and somehow um i'm assuming this was an accident because that's the way they make it sound like it is um if it was uh, if it was planned then kudos for them but i think this was an accident yeah. the, the civilian ends up dis accidentally uh, discharging his, his his shotgun oh uh and so it gets uh charles attention so he looks to his to his left or, or east because he hears this gunshot, he's like, "What the hell?" and he gets his attention. He's like, "There's someone up here." As that happens, the cops are like, "Oh shit!" Like he's looking the other way, so yeah. they come around and pin him. He's sitting against the the wall, and they just unload on him. Oh, the one guy good. with his with his gun just unloads his his his, his uh, revolver, and the other guy starts shooting with 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 the shotgun or with the rifle. Yeah. And um, from what I saw, from what I read. The, the, the Hispanic cop, I'm going to look up his name right now just to kind of, you know, make sure I, I give him props for it. Yeah. But nonetheless, he was the main, he was like the guy leading the assault. Yeah. He takes the gun or the shotgun, uh, I'm sorry, the rifle from Mm -hmm. this other cop and goes up right to him and shoots him right in the head. Good. Just to finish it off. Right. (laughs) Like unload,
0: like leave nothing, all the ammo. Which is kind of cool because it's like. Like, you don't want to go, just this guy is oh there. his
1: name is sergeant ramiro martinez i wanted uh, to make sure he got credit for that yes and then patrolman houston mccoy was the um the other police officer so uh i'm not sure i have the um the civilian's name but those two police officers were were the heroes and that civilian for not yeah. not having any training and still being brave enough to go up there these are the mm-hmm. three guys that that stopped them essentially right
0: yeah because he was gonna just
1: but Sergeant Martinez with the with the <laughs> final headshot. He's like, yes. "Fuck it, just do it." That's awesome. So um, that is um, how this story uh, tragically ended after mm-hmm. ninety minutes uh, of of him shooting from the bell tower, and like I said at the beginning of the show, if you're from Texas, you know about this because it's super popular uh, it's 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 everybody knows this story um especially because you know what happened in ut austin one of the more popular you know, yeah. universities in, in the country especially in texas so that is our dishonorable mention oh for today charles whitman sir
0: was a a weird one. You are
1: yeah, you are a, a mystery, an enigma, yes. a murderer, a spree killer, and you deserve the dissemble mention, especially yes. in Crystal's Eyes after killing a fetus.
0: Yes, like I was trying I was trying to hold it on and I was just like perplexed and then I was like, eh, nah. I'm glad you're dead. Yay, Ramirez. That yeah. sh- shut shot you in the head.
1: Man, you are so what racist why you always i don't know why you always when you talk about hispanic person you always say ramirez like every mexican it's martinez
0: oh martinez so ramirez because i uh, probably you're talking just about talking
1: richard about. ramirez
0: maybe that's why Ooh, that was a, i'm sorry i'm sorry I i'm sorry forgive mr you. martinez
1: i forgive you thank you but it's just funny uh-huh. mr sanchez <laughs> nope <laughs> mr everyone is ramirez John. <laughs> johnson johnson every white guy's name johnson every mexican's (laughs) ramirez all right
0: smith (laughs) we're not racist we're dumb
1: (laughs) okay there's a difference yeah uh but anyways so um that is it ladies and gentlemen i hope that you enjoyed another episode of disabled mentions make sure to check out fallen 360 on facebook instagram twitter uh just you know, so that you know exactly what's coming on, uh, for next week, for next month and, uh, follow and make sure that you are, uh, listening to our, uh, sponsors at the top of the show, because we've got some amazing sponsors, some local businesses, uh, sweet stash, uh, remember, check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, same thing with absinthe Minded. Go to AbsintheMinded.com for the best Absinthe in your life. If you've never had Absinthe, uh, you got to try these guys out too. So, And don't forget, we have some uh, other partnerships as well that we're developing a few more stuff. But as uh, for now, go check out CombatFlipFlops.com. Uh, for 10% off, use promo code fallin 360 Same thing with uh, BlackbeardFire.com. So Blackbeard Fire Starters—they uh, got all your outdoor needs as far as uh, fire starters go. They've got this amazing uh, lighter that is uh, pretty much looks like a like a little lightsaber. It's like advanced <laughs> technology. It is waterproof, weatherproof, windproof, whenever, and ever. Let me, let me see. I don't know if you can hear that. That's the that's the little lasers. The crosslight.
0: You were. Um, this is an amazing product right here. You were lighting Easton's birthday cake <laughs> with this with lighter, it, yeah. and one of the kids was like, "That's a taser," and looks, I don't know why he said that. Now I do because it sounds like a taser. It sounds and it looks like a little taser.
1: It is, but this uh, out in the in the woods. Mm-hmm um you get it wet it'll still work oh that's and it's awesome. rechargeable too so it's a pretty cool little thing comes with some uh fire sticks as well oh, so you'll wow. never you can get these bad boys wet as well and you can always uh, start a fire with them as well so check them out once again combat use promo code Fawn 360 for 10 percent discount use that same code all no spaces no capitals just Fallen 360 uh, to get 10% off at blackbeardfire.com as well. Yay. Thank you guys for joining us. You guys are amazing. Uh, we love you guys for all your support. Thank you uh, for Crystal Reedy. I'm outside the wire of Take care.